Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Happy Father's Day. Can we give it up for all the dads in the room? I don't, I don't know, some of you, probably many of you are aware of this uh, because my kids are loud and obnoxious, but the, the super cute one at the end, that's mine. So uh, if, in case you're, you were curious, that is, that is my little girl that's eated. Well, hey, we want to take just a second and welcome everybody online. Uh, thank you so much for joining us at your, your homes, or I would imagine with it being 92 today, let's be real, on your boat. And so uh, thank you so much for being a part of our gathering today. Can we welcome everybody joining us online this morning? Well, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, I, have a, I have a message this morning that I think is an appropriate message for Father's Day, and I'm super excited to jump in. So let's begin to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, if you're not familiar with this particular section of Scripture, we're going to be diving into the story where David is anointed king, or we're going to begin uh, right before that anyway. And just so for context, you know what's going on, the prophet Samuel has come in to Bethlehem to anoint the new king of of Israel. And the Bible tells us that Samuel goes to the house of Jesse, which is David's father, to tell him that he's going to anoint one of his sons to have them all come out and stand in a line for him to, to choose which one to anoint. Now, the Bible tells us right before where we're going to pick up that, that Jesse goes and gets all of his sons except for one, that being David. So we're going to pick up there, verse 6, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. It says this, that when they came and looked, and he looked on Eliab, he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on his height or stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass by before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has chosen none of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all your sons? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send, uh, send for him and get him. For I will not sit down until he comes. I'm going to read one more passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, and then we'll, we'll pray. It says this, 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. It says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you, my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I have become father, the father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray that as we, as we talk about your gift to us being our heavenly father, as we unbox what that means this morning, I pray that you'd open our minds and you'd open our hearts and you'd allow us to receive that. Father, for every person that Father's Day is a hard day, that Father's Day is a difficult day, maybe because their, their father was absent or maybe because their father was abusive or, or maybe they just miss their father. Maybe they just miss the, the father that's passed away. Father, I pray that uh, you would allow this time to be comforting and that you would begin to fill that place in their life as our perfect father. And we ask these things in your name, Jesus Christ, the strong son of God. Amen and amen. 
Today I wanna to talk to you on the subject, what's a dad for dad? What's a dad for dad? And I wanna start by asking you a question. Do you remember your first car? How many of you can remember, like, make, model, everything about your first car in the room? All the men raised their hands, some of the women. Okay. I, it's, it's, yeah, it, it is what it is. I remember my first car, and I think for probably several of you, you had the same experience I did with my first car. And that was that you had a love-hate relationship with it. That you loved it because it was your first car. But if you're honest, you're not going to buy another one, right? I had a 1993 Ford Escort, which is not un... Uh, or it's not different than driving, say, a tuna can. And so, like, it's just, a, it was a tiny, super lightweight car. If you don't know what a Ford Escort is, it's, uh, it's the precursor to the Ford Fiesta. So it was the smallest thing that they made. It was four-door, and it had a hatchback, which was helpful for me because when I was in high school, a lot of my friends uh, didn't have cars, and so we would pop the hatchback. You know how it was a hatchet, but it would have a thing in the back of it that kind of made it look like a trunk from the back of the car? We would pop it out of the back and we would put two people in that and then we would put four people in the back seat and then someone sit in shotgun and the car was so lightweight that when we loaded it like that we'd get about 55 miles an hour and it would start fishtailing because it couldn't handle the weight it was it was a fun car it was a fun car I have great memories of this car even though it was it was not uh, what you would say like something the car that you would dream about but some of my memories have zero to do with the people that I hung out with they actually have to do with when I took trips in the car. I, for several times in my high school and early college time, I would go and visit my grandparents by myself. And it was about two and a half hours from Birmingham and I'd jump in the car. I'd have my iPod that looks a lot more like a brick now than today's iPods. And I had, some of y'all will remember this. I had one of those uh, tape adapters that you could pop in your cassette player and then it had a cord that would come out of it and you'd plug. Is anybody with me? Does anybody remember these? Like it was so sad. Like it, like it was just the only way you could make it work. I, and so I had uh, my iPod hooked up that way. And one of the songs I remember on this particular trip that popped on to my, uh, to my playlist was a song by Yellow Card. I, I'm a, I was a pop punk guy. Yeah. And I, I definitely had the emo hair to prove it. And so, uh, but there are no photos of that on purpose. And so, but I, I loved Yellow Card. And for most of you, if you say, I have no idea who that is, you probably would know the song Ocean Avenue. If you're within 10 years of my age range, you probably would recognize that song from the top 20s radio stations. And I thought, as I think many of us have had this experience, that you're listening to a song that you've heard over and over and over, and you own the whole album, but you've never actually listened to the whole album. Right, like you have like that one or two songs that you like on the album and then you just don't really listen to the whole thing. And I thought, you know what? I've got two hours to kill. I'm gonna listen to the whole album. It was only like 45 minutes when you did the math on how long the album was. And so I popped it in and I'm listening to uh, the, the album. And about midway through the album, this song comes on that I'll never forget this song. The song's called Life of a Salesman. And the, the entire concept of the song is this son talking to his dad. And in the beginning of the song, you think that he's talking from like the perspective of a kid, like a, like a little boy. The, the opening uh, statements or the opening lyrics are, what's a dad for dad? Tell me why I'm here, dad. 
Whisper in my ear, dad. I want to be a better man, dad. Tell me how to talk, dad. Show me how to walk, dad. And it's all of these things that you would see a little boy learn uh, from their father. It's all of these things that you you would think stereotypically that a, a son would learn from their dad. But as you listen to the song, you realize that it's not written from the perspective of a little boy. It's written from the perspective of a man who is now a father asking, how do I be a man? How do I father my children? And when I was listening to this song, I was probably 17 or 18 years old. I had an epiphany, as we often do when we're listening to punk rock music. And the the epiphany was this, that it doesn't matter how old I get. It doesn't matter uh, when I get married and when I have children of my own, I will still always be my father's son. Now, I know what you're thinking. Did you like miss biology? You know, like I know, like, like it's not like it changes over time. But, and I knew that like physically, but there was a, an emotional reality that I had never really camped on. That, that there are inside of my being, there are different expressions of who I am. That there is the expression of husband. There is the expression of father. But there's also the expression, the expression of son that I have in, inside of myself that I'll never lose. That will never, be, uh, that will never be disconnected from me. Because I am my father's son. And whether you had a good relationship with your father or you didn't have a good relationship with your father, you are your father's child. Whether or not you even know your father, you, you still at some level are that person's child. That, that, that is an expression of who you are. And while you may gather more of those in your lifetime, that is not less true because you are different things. And I begin to think about this over the drive and while we all have this here on earth, like we all can understand that, okay, I'm a father or, I'm a, or you may be a daughter and a wife and you may be all of those things. We, we may not often think about the fact that God is also equally multiple expressions in our life. That God is several things to us. That there are attributes and aspects of God that fill in different relational voids in our life. And that we know that God is Father. The, the scripture tells us that he is our heavenly Father. And we'll talk about that a good bit today. But he's also friend. The Bible tells us that he is our friend. We can see intimate relationships with uh, people in scripture that he had throughout the Bible. We can not only see that, but we also know that the scripture tells us that he's a wonderful counselor. There, we could spend months going through the different expressions of relationship that God desires for us to have with him. That that is, that is a true uh, part of who God is. And what's amazing when you begin to think about it is that for every expression of relationship we have on earth, we also have that expression of relationship with God. We, even, even inside of marriage, we, we all understand that when we stand together and we, I'm going to do a wedding in about a month with a couple in the church. Uh, and I, I love, I love getting to do weddings. I know that that sounds like a weird thing to say, but I actually enjoy that part. Uh, it's nerve wracking because if you, you know, mess up, it's on tape somewhere. So, but it's, it, there's a lot of fun that comes into doing weddings. And I'm going to do one in a month and I'm going to stand probably somewhere in this room and we're going to join them together. And as we're joining them together in marriage, what we are doing is saying that each of them inside of their marriage 
are, are expressions of who God is. And when we join them together in holy matrimony, they are never more like God than when they are one together because they are equally expressions of who God is. And so even inside of marriage, we see that there's this expression of who God is inside of it. And when we, when we talk about this, we kind of need to understand, like, what's the reason behind this? Why for every relationship that I could have on earth do I also have that relationship with God? It's because God desires for us to see the, the perfect expression of that relationship. God desires for us to see through him what the perfect friend looks like, what the perfect counselor looks like, and what the perfect father looks like. That God desires for us to experience that. And for every person that is in the room that says, man, I didn't have a great relationship with my father. Or, or th that relationship is broken. It was far from perfect. It was harmful or it was hurtful. God desires to show us what that relationship looks like. Whether, whether you are a man or a woman, God desires to be that, that father for you. Now, I think for many of us, we struggle with seeing God in different expressions, whether it be father or friend, because we have broken relationships. We have broken relationships in the world that we live in. And oftentimes, instead of allowing God's version of those relationships to affect how we view relationships on earth, we do the opposite. And we allow what we experience on earth to affect how we view God in that context. I spent several years as a youth pastor before we moved here, nearly a decade. And, and I can tell you that specifically with father wounds, if you spend time in ministry, you can spot them a mile away because they're, they're people who deeply desire for there to be affirmation. And they will reach out for affirmation quicker than, than anybody else that you'll ever meet. Yet when there is any kind of um, voice of authority they'll definitely back up as quick, just as quick as they pressed in. Because for them, anything that isn't perfectly filling the void in their mind that they think that they're missing, that feels fathering, they push back on. Why? Because they've allowed their earthly experience to affect how they see God as their father instead of the reverse. And we live in a, in a culture that really fights against us, us using uh, God as our father to heal those wounds. We live in a culture that has a very different response to, to people who have broken relationships with their fathers. We live in a culture that the first response is that they reject the idea of fathering completely. That they push against it and they say, I don't need a dad because the only dad that I've experienced has wounded me. The only dad that I've experienced has hurt me. The only dad that I've experienced has caused me pain. So I don't need this at all. And they reject that, that aspect of God, even though there in all of us is a, a desire and um, a, a hole that can only be filled by a father. Even though that is a, a reality, they'll still push away and reject it. The other, the other way that culture tells us to respond is that they belittle the role of the father. They belittle the role of the father. And we see this much more common in the culture that we live in. We see this constantly in, in the world that we live in. Think about our entertainment for the last 25 years. What sitcom has not made the dad the butt of every joke? What, what sitcom has not made the dad kind of the dumb one and, and the mother the, the one that's always got all the answers? I, I'm not telling you to boycott home improvement reruns. I'm just saying that's like on purpose. 
Like, like, like there, is, there is something in our culture that says that we need to belittle that role. And oftentimes, I think sometimes in the church, we respond in an overly aggressive way that, that our response is, well, they're attacking the, the biblical version of family or they're, they're attacking the nuclear family. And there might be some truth to that. But I actually don't think that that's what's happening nearly as much as we try to give it credit for. I think what they're trying to do is respond empathetically to a very real issue just outside of the context of the word of God. So we, we live in a culture that one in four, this is according to a, um, uh, some data from 2018, one in four uh, children do not have a present father in the household. One in four. 25% don't have a, have a father in the household. And that's just the fathers that have physically left. That's just the fathers that have physically chosen to leave. That's not include, including fathers that are still there physically, but not present emotionally. That's not including fathers that are still around, but not still engaging in relationship with their children. And so what our culture has said is, we want, we want to help these people not feel bad and not help them like, not feel like they're missing something. So we're going to belittle that role. And the problem with that is that we, we find ourselves 25 years, a quarter of a century later, dealing with that mentality that people don't understand the value and the gift that a father is. And I, I want you to hear, hear my heart this morning that there may be many of you that say, well, well, I didn't have a good dad. I had a terrible dad. What about me? And I want to say to you this morning that God deeply desires to be that father for you. God deeply desires to be that father for you and to fill that void. And for those of you who are fathers that you, maybe you're like the, the very first line of that song, what's a dad for dad? Maybe you are saying, I really would like some insight on what it means to be a father. God gives us the gift of being our heavenly father so that for those of us who are fathers, we understand better what it means to be a father. That he gives us that gift. He gives us that gift in every single expression of relationship that we have. We can look to him as understanding what a healthy friendship is, what a healthy counselor is, what a healthy mentor is, but we also can look to him to understand what a healthy father is. And so we, we have to look at this and realize that it's not our role when things are difficult to reject or belittle what God's plan was for children, and that is to have a healthy father. It, we have to choose to embrace that. And we have to fight against the culture that belittles it. If, if you say, well, I don't know that we belittle it that much. Well, here's, a, here's another interesting tidbit. You know that Mother's Day is the third most celebrated holiday in the country? You know where Father's Day is? 22nd. It's like below National Potato Week, okay? Like, like it, is, it is low on the totem pole. And that tells us how we process it. That tells us how we think about it. That, that Father's Day is that much lower. But, but we have to be people who intentionally choose to reclaim that and embrace the, the role of father. And, and not just the role of father with people on earth, but also embracing the role of our heavenly father. And by the way, just a heads up, time out. We have a phenomenal Father's Day gift today. It is, it is the best Father's Day gift I've ever seen a church give out. And if you want one online, we got you covered too. All you gotta do is email us at info at redhills.church and we'll get you covered. But we have a phenomenal gift. Don't leave right now. It's all right. Don't leave right now. 
It's all right, but it's a really cool gift, and I'm super stoked to get one myself. So just throwing that out there. What, but why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because we want to make sure that we're not just buying into the culture that we live in. We're embracing what the Word of God says, that that, that relationship with Father is important. And if anybody in Scripture, if anybody in Scripture had a right to reject or belittle his father, it was the, it was the life of David. It was David. I mean, when you read this story that we read, it's a short story, but I want you to see what happened. A prophet came to Jesse's home and he said, bring out all your sons. I want to anoint one of them. And he brings out everybody but David. Like, like, that's got to hurt a little bit, right? Like, that's got to, that's, like, that's stuff you remember, right? Like, that's, that's, that's stuff that you, like, that doesn't leave the back of your mind. The insecurity that that probably caused, and he didn't even go get him. You know, you're sitting there, you got like eight or nine people in front of you. They're going down the list, not this guy, not this guy. You would have thought at some point he went, man, maybe I should go get my other kid. He didn't go get David until the prophet said, go get him now. Like, I'm not leaving until you bring the other kid here because it's not any of these. He thought so little of his son that he didn't even think that it was important for him to be there. And I think for, for many of us, we might see that story and you might be able to relate to that. Maybe you didn't have the worst dad on the planet. Maybe you didn't have an abusive dad or a completely absent dad, but, but there are still father wounds from the relationship that you have. Look, I have a phenomenal dad. My, my dad and I are, are very close. And even as good of a father as I have, I still have wounds from my father. I still, I still have those wounds. And we have a choice, just like David had a choice. We can choose to see those imperfections and see that, that lack of, of fathering in, in those moments as an opportunity to reject the idea of father or to belittle the idea of father. Or we can use that moment to embrace God as our heavenly father to fill that void in our life. Because David understood something. Even though his father on earth was far from perfect and, and you could easily say absent in his life. Even though that is true, he still knew that he needed a father. He still knew that there were things that only his father could give him. And I just want to say this morning before, before we jump into the last part where we talk about the gift of, of father, um, I, I want to say this to those of you who maybe you're in this room and you're a single mom or maybe you're watching online and you're a single mom. I know that sometimes hearing messages like this is hard because for you, you would say, you know what? I want my kids to have a dad, but I, but I just don't. I don't have that as an option. Maybe your husband left or maybe your husband passed away and you don't have that, that option in your life. Now I want you to know that, that that's part of why being a part of a community of faith is so special. L listen, I, this is the, uh, in the time I've been in ministry, this is the fourth church I've been on staff at. And I can tell you that there's a special gift in this house. There's a special gift in this community of faith for spiritual family. And, and I can tell you if you'll choose 
to jump in and not buy into what the culture tells you to buy into that, you know what, you can, you can do it on your own and you can, you can figure it out. No, 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 embrace the fact that you may not have something that God deeply desires for your family to have and choose to trust God for that. And I believe that God will do two things in your life. Number one, I believe that God will begin to fulfill that void in, in your children's life. But I also believe this, that God will bring men in your life that will fill that void in the right seasons. And we see that in the life of David, that there are two people. One of them is Samuel that you can see as a father figure to David. And the other one is the prophet Nathan that we see later on in his life. That, that, God, that God provides when we say, God, this is a lack. This is something that I need. That God will provide that need. The problem that we often have, though, is we want God to provide the need before we're willing to admit that there's actually a need. And God needs us to say, Father, I need you. I need you in this way. My children need you in this way. And I want you to know that if you're a single mom watching at home or if you're in this room, we as a church have your back and we wanna be there for you. And as long as you, you are a part of our community and, and let us know how we can serve you, we will serve you to the best of our ability because we believe that fathers matter. So David believed that having a father, even if it was a heavenly father, was important. And the question I think that we need to ask is why? What are the things that God desires for us to receive as father? What are, what are those things that he desires for us all to receive? Or what is it that God desires for me to receive from him as his child that I can then, for those of us who are fathers, I can then in turn give to my children? How, how, how do I understand those things? In other words, what, what's a dad for dad? How do we ask God our Father, what is a dad for? I'm gonna give you three thoughts this morning. From, and these are, these are, um, these are more theological in, in context. And what I mean by that is that these are all three things that we can see throughout the entirety of scripture. And, and I'll reference them in, in some different ways, but these are things that we can see throughout the Bible. And the first one is this, that God gives us, as a father, he gives his children the gift of significance. He gives us the gift of significance. God gives us uh, maybe better said, the opportunity for significance. That God didn't just make us to walk the planet and live out our life and then die without making an impact. That God gives us the opportunity as our father, he sees his children and he desires for his children to live a life of significance. For David, his father did not see significance there. But he found the value and the gift of significance in his heavenly father. We know that David viewed God in that way because he constantly calls his, uh, his heavenly father, father throughout the Psalms. We see that repeatedly through the scripture. And he's saying to us as our heavenly father that you have an opportunity to make an impact. You have an opportunity to make an impact in the world around you. And we can see this throughout scripture that God took people that were unlikely to do major things that impacted their world. Why? Because he desires for us all to make a significant impact. 
He gives us the gift of significance. One of the reasons, we have step two today, uh, one of the reasons why we do step one and step two to help people get connected to our church is because we know that every single person in this room has the opportunity for, for impact. You have the opportunity for significance. And we wanna help you discover how God's wired you for significance. That's literally the goal of step two that we help you understand how God's wired you so that you can make the impact you were meant to, to make. Why? Because God has wired us all to make an impact. Not only here in the physical, but also in the spiritual. James 5, 16 through 18 says this, that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And then it goes on to say this, uh, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. But then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and it bore fruit. What does that mean? It means that God so desires to give us the gift of significance that he allows our prayer to matter. That our prayer changes things. That we have the ability to impact people here on earth, but we also have the ability to impact what is happening in the spiritual realm of our life. That when I, when I choose to pray, when I choose to pray for my children, when I choose to pray for my family, when I choose to pray for my wife or anybody else in my life, when I choose to do that, God gives me the gift of significance and it, he allows my prayer to make a difference. That's why prayer is so powerful. It's not just a ritual that we do or an intimacy that we choose to tap into to feel close to God. It is a gift and a weapon that God gives us to fight against the things that we're experiencing in this world. It is, it is a gift and ability to tap into being significant in the world that we live in. And God gives us the gift of significance. The second thing that God, the second gift that God gives us is the gift of vulnerability the gift of vulnerability. I think that this is a, a special gift that we get from God as our Father because there's something about being vulnerable with people. The, the definitive understanding of vulnerable is to be exposed, just to be raw and as open as, as possible. I don't like, I don't know if you're like me, I hear the word exposed and I go, you know, like it just, it just, you know, it just makes me uncomfortable because it's talking about letting somebody see every single imperfection in you. And that, that's uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe it's just me, but that's uncomfortable, right? Like there's something about somebody knowing every single aspect of you that, that is bothersome. But God gives us the gift of vulnerability that he creates space for us to share every part of who we are and everything that we feel. Even the things that are not right. Even the things that are wrong. And I think that one of the reasons why we call David a man after God's own heart is because he was so vulnerable with God. He said things that weren't accurate regularly to God. And we see in Psalms 22, that he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? What he's communicating is how he feels. Was God far from him? Was God forsaking him? No, but he was communicating in his own vulnerability how he felt. He was exposing himself to God and saying, this is what, is, uh, this is what I feel. Even though it may not be right, even though it may not be accurate, God, this is how I feel. And this is important 
for us as his children to understand that we can go to God in this way. It's important for us to understand this because when we go to somebody and we are vulnerable, there is an intimacy that is formed out of vulnerability that, that only comes out of vulnerability. It's not unlike uh, those of us who are married that you experience with your spouse. There is, a, there is a amount of vulnerability that comes into that relationship that you only experience when you choose to be vulnerable with your spouse and share where you are. And I believe that we see David referred to as the man after God's own heart because he was so willing to be vulnerable. Not only does God desire us as his children to be vulnerable with him, but he also desires those who are fathers in the room to create space for your children to be vulnerable with you. Now it looks different at different stages. My children are four and three, and their vulnerability is very entertaining at the moment. I told you a couple of, uh, couple of months ago when I was preaching that my son ran up to me and he began to tell me how his sister did something to him on purpose. And it wasn't at all on purpose, but in his mind it was on purpose. That was creating a moment of vulnerability for my son. And, and if I'm honest, it, with my kids at the age that they are, it's very easy to bypass those moments and not be present because, I mean, it's gonna be over in three seconds anyway. But the truth is, that there's an intimacy that even in those moments with my children, that as, as small as they are, that when they come to their father and are willing to share what they feel, there's a vulnerability and an intimacy that I'm building with my children by giving them that space. And it will grow as they get older. And just as God desires for us to be vulnerable with, uh, with him as, as uh, us being his children, he desires for us as fathers to be people who their children who our children can be vulnerable with us. So God gives us the gift of significance, he gives us the gift of vulnerability, and then third, he gives us the gift of relationship. He gives us the gift of relationship. Now, as we're talking through these things, when we talk about significance and we talk about vulnerability, what, what we're ultimately talking about um, are things that we get from God and they're beneficial directly to us. Right, like there are things that, that we need that he's choosing to allow us to have because he knows that they will build a relationship with us. But this third one is, is different because there is uh, very much a two-way street in this relational piece. God desires for us to be in relationship with him, to know him, to be with him. And not just running to him when we, when we need something, but just taking time to be with him. Because when, when our father has the opportunity to spend time with his children, there's something very special that comes out of that. And it is mutually beneficial. My, my little girl, she's, she's three years old, and we're in this super fun phase where I'll come home from work and I'll sit in my chair because I'm 80 years old at heart. And I have a chair, yes. And it is a recliner. Judge me, go ahead. Um, and my little girl will come and sit on my lap. And Jackson's in this phase where he wants to like talk about a bunch of stuff. That's fine. That's fine, whatever. My brain's tired and it's hard to engage with that sometimes. But, but Eden will come and sit on my lap. And I'll say, hey, what you doing? And she'll say, I just want to sit with you, daddy. And let me tell you, you have a terrible week at work, bad week at work, 
there's something about coming home and your daughter sitting in your lap and saying, I just want to sit with you. And I say that to say this, that there is a gift for those of us who don't experience a good earthly father. There is a gift that we receive in a father that cares for us and that wants to spend time with us and that wants to know us. But there is also a gift that we are giving back to God in our intimacy and in our relationship with him. That there is something special that comes out of that. That, that there, is, there is something unique because just as much as I know my daughter needs that time, it is equally a gift to me as her father that she just wants to sit with me. I, uh, I had an opportunity Thursday to go to a graduation party um, for a senior uh, that just graduated from high school. On, and we went, to, we went to the party and we got there a couple minutes before we were gonna eat. And um, the dad gathered the family around and everybody that was there around before we ate. And he said, I, I wanna pray over our time together and then we'll eat. I thought, oh, okay, cool, we're gonna pray real quick. Nobody asked me to pray, it's a good day, right? And so, because that happens, it's part of the gig. So, and so the dad said, I, I wanna pray. And he began to pray for the food. And then after he prayed for the food, he did something that, um, if I'm straight up honest with you, man, I almost cried like in, in this barn dominium that we were hanging out in. Uh, and uh, cause that was where it was, it was this really cool out, outdoor barn that we were hanging out in. And the, the dad began to pray and thank God for the gift that was his son. And if you, uh, if there are some of you that are in the room that were there, if you know this dad and, and you know a little bit of their story, it was one of the most beautiful moments I've ever seen. And it fits so perfectly in what we're talking about today. Because just as that man being a good father was a gift, it was a genuine good gift, for his son. His son was also that gift, that same gift for the father. And if you say, you know what, I don't, I don't have kids, you're missing the point if, if you're only hearing me talk to dads. The, the point is that God loves you so much, that God desires uh, to know you so much, that he gives you the gift of significance, he gives you the gift of vulnerability, and he gives you the gift of relationship because he desires for you to know a perfect father. And, and whether you had a good father here that, that's caused just a little bit of pain in your past or you had an absent father or an abusive father, God still looks at you as his child. He looks at you as his son and daughter and he says, I want to fill that void. And I want to be that perfect father for you. And so we can look, at, if we're looking as a father, to see how to father our children, we can see that example. If we're looking to fill the void of the father that we didn't have, we can still look to God and allow him to fill that void. That, that is throughout the scripture what we can see a dad is for. We stand with me all over the room. I'm about a minute or two over. But I want to take just a second with everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed. I want to ask, I want to ask a real quick question and, and, and then I'm going to pray. 
If you're in this room, if you're in this room and you say, you know what? When you talk about the person that had a unhealthy father relationship, that is me. And I've struggled with, with accepting God as that father. If that's you, nobody's looking around, it's just you and I. Would you lift your hand? I'd, I'd love to pray with you. Yeah, 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 several in the room, several in the room. Here's what I'd like to do. I wanna pray for you, and then I wanna pray for the fathers in the room, because it's Father's Day, and I feel like that's appropriate. But I, I want you to know that whether you raise your hand or not and you say, that's me, I, I feel that, I, I know that pain. What God deeply desires to do more than anything is invade that space and, and fill that void and be that comforter and be that father that, that you deeply desire to have. Father, I pray for every person in this room that raised their hand. And even maybe I, those who are watching us online that would say, I, I relate to not having a good father. Father, your word tells us that you are our ever-present help, that you, that you come to us in the right moment and in the right space and in the right way. And you, and you fulfill those areas of our life that are lacking, that are, that are wounded. And Father, I pray right now that you would just begin to wrap your loving arms around them. And, and they would begin to experience you in that way that, that maybe they've never experienced you before. God, let them see that you're a good, good father. I pray for every person that, that, is, that is a father in this room, for every dad. God, that they would be people who are intentional with their children, whether their children are four or 40, they would realize that those people are still their children and that they have the opportunity to give them the gift of significance. They have the opportunity to give them a gift of vulnerability and they have the opportunity to give them just simply the gift of relationship. Father, I thank you in front of my family of choice for an incredible dad that you've given me. And I pray that for every man in this room and for myself, that we would be the fathers that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, the strong son of God, amen.